Welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Into the Auditorium. I'm Hazel Rowe, and I'm extremely pleased to welcome Fortune Chiwengi as our first guest. Fortune is a career auditor who has worked in senior roles managing audit teams within investment managers and is currently working for a leading provider and manager of alternative investment products. We discuss how she navigated her career from South Africa to London and now on secondment in the Middle East. Let's get into it. Enjoy. Hello, Fortune. Thank you very much for being a guest on um, on the podcast today. I'm very excited to talk to you um, because of I, I, if you could let us know a little bit more about um, ha- how you got into audit and how you become to be in London and, and what you're doing now. Hi, Hazel. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you today. So um, just to talk to you a little bit about how I came to be in the internal audit profession. It's interesting because I originally wanted to be an, uh, a lawyer and uh, through a career guidance uh, session at my school, I liked the way the uh, external auditors, when they came to our school for a session, came over and uh, how they were dressed and they were you know, wearing powerful suits and uh, holding briefcases. And I thought, okay, I think this is something that I would like to do. <laughs> and uh, from then on, I think I was around 13 years old. Uh, I've really uh, sort of made sure that I did everything that I could to get into that profession. So focus on doing uh, accountancy uh, at university and then uh, obviously trained with one of the big four, became a qualified chartered accountant and worked in financial services. Uh, From the time actually second year training as an accountant, I picked up that I liked uh, financial services and uh, uh, trained there, uh, qualified, and joined a bank as a head of audit at the age of about 24. And uh, after working for that bank for about uh, seven years cumulatively, but uh, starting off as head of internal audit and into risk management, I then uh, got a career in uh, uh, Ernst & Young in, in London, where I, uh, of course, joined the external audit profession and ended up in London. And when you say that you was a head of audit, that, that, that's a very young age. Could you, um, what, was that a standalone role or was you, was you managing people? Or? So I did have a team. So I joined, uh, there was a previous head of audit who hired me into that role and she moved into a different role herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a team. I started off with one other auditor and then the team then expanded uh, under my uh, leadership. Uh, so that's how the, the team developed. So I was leading the function, but also doing most of the work as well. Sure. And tell me, because that was in Zimbabwe, right? And, and the Cayman Islands. What, what made you decide um, to come to London? So I was headhunted uh, by an agency. I think it was based in South Africa. Uh, they liked my CV and uh, then, you know, uh, asked me for an interview and at that point I wasn't really keen I thought okay let me have a conversation and then uh, they sold me the role to go to London you know international exposure I'd been to Cayman Islands briefly for six months but this was a bigger role in London and I thought why not uh, let me explore that and see where it takes me and uh, yeah ended up in London. 
And, and and could you expand on that in terms of you know being being alone? Did you know anybody here, or how, how did you find that whole experience? Yeah, that was interesting because uh, when I left uh, Zimbabwe to go to the United Kingdom, uh, I had an older sister who was there with her family. Mm-hmm. But we were based in London. They were based in Nottingham. So we were literally my husband and my two daughters uh, in London. It was so new and so different. And we were used to having so much family around us. And then we suddenly just me and my husband and our two daughters. It was a big struggle. We almost wanted to go back, to be honest. Uh, several times we thought, oh, let's go back home. This is too difficult. <laughs> but, you know, London grows on you. You know, gradually we started liking it and, you know, finding our way around and getting more friends uh, at the firm that I was working, you know, started, you know, having a connections with people. And, you know, when you start having a network at, at work and at, at home, it starts to feel a lot like home. And that's how we settled in slowly but surely. Yeah, of course, lovely. And and you sort of since the big four, you've gone in, you've moved into investment management. Um, was that by was that by choice or just in in terms? Did you know what sort of products you wanted or industry that you wanted to go into internal audit? Yeah. So. Um, when I started training uh, with KPMG back in Zimbabwe, I actually focused on financial services. And I, you know, I worked for banks, asset management, discount houses, uh, and so on. And, and that was a skill set that, you know, started off very early in my training with, with that big four firm. And therefore, I knew I wanted to be in financial services. Mm-hmm. So moving into asset management was sort of second nature because it's, it's an industry that I already understood uh, because the bank that I worked as head of audit had an asset management wing as well, uh, division. So I, I already knew the products, understood the industry, and uh, it was easier for me to just you know slide in and fit in. And, and one thing I've noticed is that once people go into asset management and, and investment management, they t- they tend to stay there. They don't really sort of move into investment banking or, you know, a bit different if you were doing sort of compliance. Why is that? Because I've always uh, similarized investment banking quite like private banking as well to, to a degree. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I would. Um, so asset management for me is, is, what can I say? It's easier to get your head around the core function of that industry, really. You're managing people's money. Uh, that's the basic premise on which, you know, asset management is based. People, you know, entrust you with their money and you obviously invest it so that they get more out of it, particularly in retirement. So once you have that flair for that industry, it's something that you enjoy doing. You enjoy that, you know, giving back and, and actually understanding how you help uh, pensioners uh, grow their money for retirement and so on. So I, I think the reason why most internal auditors once or anybody for that matter moves into asset management, they stick with it. It's it's sort of intuitive and, and easier to understand. And the environment is a lot uh, better, I would say, than investment banking. I think people generally believe uh, investment banking is a lot more uh, tougher uh, in terms of the culture of, you know, the working culture and so forth. 
Whereas asset management, I think, is something that you can you can work around and, and understand, and it's calmer and, and easier to to get your head around. Okay, is it? And, and could you elaborate on 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 that? It, it, you know, is it hours or less audits? Uh, not really. I think it is mostly that it's much less complex, uh, particularly if, you know, if you work for an asset manager that has products that are easy to, to understand. I've worked in asset managers that have listed assets, you know, understanding the stock exchange and how that works, how, how you know, portfolio managers create a portfolio to help savers make more money in retirement and so on. And now I've moved into alternatives where, you know, it's private equities and it's real estate, it's uh, credit uh, management uh, products. Uh, those products are easy to understand. You know, you go and buy a private company and you help it develop into a bigger company and you help its governance and, uh, you know, and so on. It's something that you can, you know, easily understand. It won't be too stressful in terms of understanding the complexity of that industry. Yeah. So for me... Uh, that industry is a lot more calm in that respect that, you know, it's not too complex to get your head around what, what, sure. what the risks are and what you need to do to, to get the outcomes that your clients expect. And, and, and talking about risks, um, especially around pensions and looking after other people's money, what, what do you think have been the key risks this year in, in terms of, you know, after COVID and, and interest rates, et cetera, where, where do you think the biggest risks have been within the investment management space? Um, so the biggest risks, in my view, uh, are that, you know, we, we need to obviously make sure that we still make sure that the money entrusted to us by our investors, by our clients, grows. And in this competitive interest rate environment, that has become a little bit tougher because obviously the cost of money is going up. Uh, and therefore, you know, it is how we make sure that we, we are identifying real value when our you know, portfolio managers, our investment teams are identifying the right investments to make, the timing of those investments and how to fund those investments is key to making sure, obviously, that we keep uh, our clients happy uh, and obviously that the risks that we are taking on are commensurate with their expectations. Sure. Uh, so for me, that's that's quite key. And and a lot of the other audit teams are very much getting into um, artificial intelligence, continuous monitoring. Um, is that something um, that, that you can monitor that way? How, how do you actually monitor that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, digitization uh, and a sort of IT-related risks have become one of the key risks in any internal audit function, uh, purely because with technological advancement, advancements, there's lo a lot going on in the cyberspace, in, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, you have chat GPT. There are so many intricate risks that internal auditors need to keep abreast of. And, you know, in order for us to help our organizations manage those risks, we actually need to be in the, at the forefront of making sure that organizations are thinking about those risks. And if we're investing in those companies, we actually then get uh, a, a certain level of understanding of those risks that is uh, more helpful in, in us managing, you know, uh, the risks within our own organization. So we do also invest as a firm in 
in companies that obviously have uh, artificial intelligence capabilities, but we are also facing challenges in the industry through cybersecurity and so on that we need to manage on a continuous basis. So I think you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head in talking about <coughs> IT risks and cybersecurity and AI and so on. Uh, which I challenge to all the organizations, I, I suppose. <laughs> and and so therefore, do you, do you have to um, audit the companies that you're going to invest people's money in then? Are you doing a lot on uh, with regards to third-party internal audit as well now? Yeah, so we do look at our portfolio companies, just looking at private equity as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our own teams, our investment teams, they have an post-acquisition team that looks at what portfolio companies are doing and managing the risks within portfolio companies through sitting on boards and obviously assessing risks on an ongoing basis. And we as an internal audit function also assess those processes that our teams have to manage portfolio company risks. So yes, directly or indirectly, we do look at uh, risks within our portfolio companies, the companies we invest in on behalf of our clients. And and when you say with regards to investment management companies, it always seems that they seem to have um, smaller audit teams, um, which may lead me to believe that you know you're not as silo as an auditor. You're not as siloed. You're not just auditing one area, um, whether that's a product. You're actually auditing back to front, and and could be quite varied during the day. Could you expand on that? Yeah, so the way we work is because, as as we've just been discussing, right, the Mm. the risks that we face as, uh, you know, uh, asset managers or as internal audit, auditing asset managers is that the risks are becoming more complex and therefore our reliance on subject matter expertise has increased. So the teams within uh, an internal audit function are lean on the basis that we use these expertise to supplement our knowledge because it is very hard to keep up and keep abreast of those developments. So you need those relationships with third-party consultants to help you identify those risks uh, and, and obviously uh, you know, produce uh, the right outcomes in terms of audit opinions for, for our boards. Uh, so we do rely a lot on uh, consultants uh, as third-party providers. Okay. And and when when you talk about third party providers, are you also now talking about the big fours or, or do you go you are? Absolutely. It goes further than the big four because internal audit expertise actually, you know, the big four do have, you know, divisions that provide internal audit services, but you know, if you go a bit deeper into sort of a big ten, big twelve, uh you, you can actually get uh services from there as well. Sure. And and as you started your career in the big four, um, how, how did you did you feel this was a good learn, learning for people that are trying to get in or, or want to get into audit? Did you uh, tell me about the training? Is it a good training process with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe I'm biased because obviously I was trained by the big four, but uh, I I don't think there's a supplement for that. The level of training and the rigor of training that is provided by the big four or or the big 10, to be fair, you know, other firms are coming up. Um, And I believe people are still getting this, you know, that training right up to today. Um, The big four still provide very good training ground for not only internal audit, but obviously other consulting uh, services like external audit and so forth. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't think uh, we can you know, begrudge them that they have that skill set. They have the training ground. They're good at it. They're, you know, and they continue to be good at training people and providing other industries with, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, qualified uh, you know, uh, accountants, auditors, and so on, uh, which is helpful for the industry. So then I, I suppose, you know, if you had advice for your younger self then um, in audit, what would that be? Um, I think the advice I'm going to talk about is about internal audit because that's that's where I've been uh, for the past, uh, you know, number of years. Internal audit is, is a great training ground for understanding businesses and how businesses operate. And I think, you know, we underestimate the value that internal auditors bring to the table and the skill sets, the varied skill sets that we have, because it's not just that we can investigate and and tick a box. Internal auditors now have to do a lot more in terms of digging deep into the root causes and joining the dots between all the audits that they're doing and coming up with more strategic advice to to the business. And that's a skill set that I think very few professions have. Mm. And and you know you, you're, you're a career auditor. You, you've you've been been within internal audit all your life and and have been very successful for, with it. What would you think? Sort of the, your major ach- achievement has been. I suppose the development of others, uh, because as you know, as you. Develop in your career. You also want to see those that you work with also have careers in that profession, and you know, bringing up you know teams to become heads of audits in their future careers is something that I am really proud of. And supporting them in that in those career aspirations is something that I really think is important. And and do do you believe in that sort of um, with internal mobility, or you know, you're quite. You, you, you encourage people to move out into other companies? Yeah, so I think mobility is, is very good for the profession uh, because if you have different skill sets within the team, the types of audits that you produce are going to be that much more uh, valuable for the business because they have different uh, perspectives. You know, people look at things from a different angle if, if you have different skill sets. And equally, for internal auditors that want to move into the business, it's something that we encourage because then they provide the skill sets to that, you know, whatever line of business they've joined. Mm-hmm. And equally, having people from the business join internal audit is something that is valuable because they then bring different skill sets to the business mm-hmm. uh, or to internal audit. And therefore, I think that mobility of skills and even, you know, to other organizations is important. And and I, I know that you. I'm still aware that you travel um, with, with your job still. But w- w- what is it that you particularly like? Maybe um, from a culture point of view, um, going to, to all of these different offices. What, what do you think the biggest learn learning curve is for you there? Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head by saying you know cultural uh, understanding because I think it's it's it's. It's very hard for people to understand the difference when you immerse yourself within a culture. You actually understand them and and the way they operate much more than you would if you were, you know, doing it from over the phone or on a video conference. So I've actually, you know, traveled the world and met different cultures and it enriches you as a person as well. Uh, You know, when you actually understand, you know, how they think, 
why they think they think the way they think and understand just how their cultural approaches to things is. Because then you become, I think, a richer person that way from understanding how they they uh, approach things. Sure. Do you have That's a favorite diversity? True diversity. Sure. Do you have a favorite place? Um, <laughs> I think I still have a soft spot for the UK, maybe because professionally that's where I've worked the longest. But uh, right now I work more in, in the Middle East and I'm developing a soft spot for it. So I would say, you know, it depends on where you are at that point in time. I'm enjoying my, my stint here in, in the Middle East and I uh, enjoy uh, their culture and their way of uh, living. Especially for the next five months anyway, whilst the weather's getting colder here. <laughs> absolutely absolutely enjoying the sunshine right here <laughs> <laughs> and um you you know you're working in, in a senior role now you're you're head of audit and um you, you you've worked for several different investment management firms what what is it um do, do you find that they're they're different in terms of their methodology what you know what makes you move from one firm to another yeah, so when when I assess my role as head audit, which I've done in several organizations, the role is the same in terms of process, methodology, because everything is guided by the Institute of Internal Auditors and so on. Um, but what you find different is each organization is very different culturally. And within each organization, you start learning afresh. And uh, the thing I like about internal audit anyway is that you keep learning. Even when you've done an audit two times, that you learn something new. And uh, as I've gone through, you know, the different companies, I've learned that, you know, all organizations have different risk appetites. They, they have different ways of doing things. And that enriches you because I think you become more open-minded about, you know, processes, risks, and, and so forth. Because I think as auditors, we, we assume that all companies are the same. No, they aren't. And even the way companies are governed is different. And as you join those different companies, you, you, you have a different experience, which I think uh, makes you a better person, in my view. Okay. Um, and in terms of then going sort of back to the risks of investment management, um, what do you think sort of the risks are going to be to look out for 2024 or, or in the next audit plan? Yeah. Uh, so th the biggest risks in my view are to do with obviously digitization, uh, artificial intelligence. We spoke about cybersecurity is one of the key ones, you know, because you know, information technology risks have become so much higher up in the priorities of risks that, you know, organizations need to look at uh, because those risks are changing so quickly. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, we need to be more agile as auditors to anticipate what will happen. And, um, you know, even with big data, it's about understanding how to use that data so that we obviously eliminate inefficiencies in processes by looking at the outcome. For example, if you know, artificial intelligence is able to interpret that data for you, summarize it in a way that you can then interpret it in a way that's helpful for the organizations, that's where we're going. We're going to, as auditors, need to be more adaptable and agile and understand the digital world a lot more than we used to. Uh, it's no longer just about process and paperwork. It's about the data and what the data is telling you and how you interpret that data and how you join the dots as well. 
So do you think the role then of business auditor that can go and audit an asset is going to change, you know, the skill sets are going to change um, and, and, and in which way then? Yeah, so I think the the skill set is changed. It's already started to change anyway, you know, with mm. the, the way we started, uh, obviously, transitioning more towards being agile auditors. What we are managing more of is data and uh, systems, uh, and and focus. The focus has moved more towards uh, understanding systems, applications, and the risks associated with that fast changing digital environment. So, if you are not able to, you know, sort of upskill yourself to understand IT based risks, then you get left behind. So. If you're used to just looking at papers and, and sitting at a desk, which is what we did when I started, you know, becoming an auditor, we, we looked at paperwork most of the time. Now it's about actually understanding what's happening in the digital world and, and mm-hmm. how your organization is using, uh, di- you know, digital assets uh, to yeah. execute uh, its operations. Uh, but obviously all the external facing uh, challenges such as cybersecurity are also becoming key. So do you think then sort of companies are going to have to, you know, talk to, you know, the VPs, the senior auditors that have sort of grown up in that environment um, are going to have to really sort of encourage people to retrain then? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I don't think any organisation or any internal audit function in any organisation can survive if they don't upskill. That's mm. one of the biggest challenges of the internal audit profession. You need to upskill your teams and make sure that they are, you know, kept abreast of market developments, mm. uh, not only in the digital space, but obviously, you know, globalization is bringing new rules. You know, we are auditing mostly, you know, all over the computer, you know, this way, which never used to be the case. We always used to sit next to somebody and talk to them, but now, you know, we're using, you know, digital means to do our audit. So, the way we're yeah. operating has changed, and I don't think we're going to go back. Uh, yeah. You know, the work from home model is is brought in new risks, but also new opportunities as well. Mm. So the way the auditors work has changed and will continue to change. And and with regards to to the working from home and and everything going more digital, do you, do you think it's um, losing? You know, people being back in the office and and actually being able to speak to their stakeholders. Do you think some of the communication is now starting to get a bit lost? Or yeah, there's always a sort of a, you know positives and negatives to any change, right? Um, at the beginning, obviously, they, they, you feel that you've lost the human touch, right? Mm. When you are looking at someone, you know, sitting across you in a room, there's a different dynamic to looking at someone on a screen. Uh, but if you are able to then supplement some of the things you're losing from that human contact with data, you know, looking at no longer looking at a sample, but looking at the full population of information and assessing that, mm. you're sort of gaining something in return. And therefore, yeah. you know, it's it's a different world we're living in and we have to adapt. So it's all about balance then. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, uh, I, it, it's it's funny because yeah, it's um, you know everything's got its pros and cons, right? So um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and um, in in terms of the the next year, then um, 
being based in um, with regards to the travel then? Uh, are you sort of still traveling a lot internally within the Middle East or...? Yes, yes, we do travel a lot, you know, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, uh, Bahrain. Um, yeah, there's a bit of travel, not too much, but uh, a bit of travel uh, because, you know, there's still need for us to, you know, visit the offices and talk to people and, yeah. and create those relationships. Uh, even though digitally, of course, we still do most of the communication uh, over, you know, video conferencing. Sure. Um, and what do you think then that the, the, the problem is um, that the audio industry is currently facing? Um, for me, I think it's talent. Uh, you know, um, how do you retain talent? How do you continue to upskill the talent you have? How do you continue to keep the talent that you have um, interested in remaining within that company? Are you creating the right culture for them to thrive and develop and, you know, have careers in? That's the challenge because, you know, having internal auditors that are good at their job is, is quite a rare thing. And once you find that, you need to actually make sure you keep it. You know, retention is key. Sure. Um, and why do you think it's quite rare then? Um, because I think internal audit is something that uh, you have to be of a certain constitution, if I can use that word, you know, you can't just be an auditor, internal auditor, you know, there are certain people that it won't work for and that certain okay. people that it will. It's not a profession for everybody. Um, and, and those that are, you know, meant to be in that profession are, are few, mm. unfortunately. And and do you find that most people, or, or if you know, throughout your career, people that you've lost within your teams, or do for or, or internal mobility, do you find that they've gone on to other audit roles, or do you find that they've actually gone more into the business, into risk compliance, or something like that? Yeah, so there are a few that, that move internally into risk roles or mm -hmm. compliance because those are sort of interlinked. We are all talking about risks, but different types of risks, right? So uh, people that are moving from internal audit are going to sort of similar type of roles like operations and compliance and risk and so on. Uh, or finance, there are people that simply love numbers and feel that after a while they have to go back to the numbers. Whereas internal audit, we don't really focus too much on the numbers. We focus on the outcomes, the processes and so forth. Um, so those are the sort of areas that people move into from, from internal audit. And, and when you was working as a big four then, did you realize that it wasn't just about numbers or or yeah, yeah. So I trained obviously on on the external audit side, yeah. but now you know the big four they provide you can go straight into internal audit and, and focus just on purely internal audit. I, I did sort of everything, uh, at the, you know, as a as a training process. Um, so I would say that for for those that train as external auditors, they I think they are aware that internal audit is is an, a possibility. And they can move into that now at the big four or, you know, even after they finish uh, the external audit training, they can obviously move into internal audit outside the profession, outside the, the, the big four. Of course. And what would you say culturally wise or what, what, what sort of makes it quite different working between a big four doing external audit and working doing internal audit? 
there's so much pressure with the big four <laughs> because there are so many deadlines that you have to, yeah. you know, to stick to. I mean, there are deadlines, of course, in internal audit, but they are more internal. Uh, whereas with the external uh, audits profession, the deadlines are usually mandated by regulators and so on. You know, financial statements have to be issued at, at a specific point in time. You know, their deadlines are, you know, mm. you cannot break really. Uh, whereas with internal audit, you can work around internally with the business that you're auditing on timelines and, and so on. Obviously, we have some targets that we have to achieve, but it's different. Sure. Uh, so the flow of work is not, you know, picks and troughs like in the external audit. It's more consistent across the year. And, and do you think sort of that might lead to putting candidates that currently work in the big four that puts them off of it in going into an internal role because that's what they think it's still going to be like. Yes, I think some people still feel that it's still audit, so I might still go into an, a, a, a firm and still have those deadlines and, and picks and troughs, which sometimes are difficult to, to continue on a prolonged basis. You, you can yeah. do it for a while, but at times you, you know you want some consistency, particularly when you start having family. Uh, and you want to spend time with your family, it's, it's, you know, it's better to move into a profession where you think you know, there's going to be a little bit of a, a, you know, a balance to the life. Sure, sure. Okay. All right. That's very interesting. And tell me, I, I, I'm, I'm, is there anything from South Africa you particularly miss on uh, food rise or um, you know, on the braai? <laughs> uh, interestingly, <laughs> you can still do all those things anywhere in the world. So thank, <laughs> you know, thanks to globalization, any food you want, any any items are available everywhere. Even yeah. here in Bahrain, I can get you know South Africans, Bahrain, <laughs> uh, Kenyan, all sorts of cuisines are here. <laughs> so nothing yeah, to yeah. miss. <laughs> well, it was we, we funny enough we had South African friends when we lived in um, Singapore. Well, all different nationality friends. I mean, that's that's the great thing about living living abroad. But you know, yeah. you always target the certain the certain different nationalities to what food you wanted on that particular day yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. No, it, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah excellent That's all right and um, so I suppose um thank you very much for your time if you don't mind I've got a quick um roundup of uh five uh quick fire round questions um yeah. so one piece of technology you couldn't live without uh iPhone <laughs> Or the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anything particularly about the phone are you, uh, do you use quite a lot? The problem is my life now is on the phone. I don't even remember people's phone numbers. <laughs> I have to go to my phone and even birthday reminders are on my phone. Everything's <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> and tell me, what are you reading right now? There's a book called Think Again. Um, I can't remember the author really, but yeah, but Think Again is a book that sort of challenges the way we uh, learn and the way we need to actually unlearn some of the things we, we've done in the past and, and start from a blank piece of paper because there are lots of assumptions we make about, you know, uh, or the misconceptions we have about how the world works uh, that we need to sort of unlearn and learn again. And is that more in your daily life or working life, these books towards, or just? It's both, actually, uh, because even some of the, you know, personal misconceptions you have about the world, you know, it's, mm. it's actually sort of 
teaching you to not make those assumptions and, and think again. In, in terms of uh, one aspect of that book, actually, is the way we have learned in the past is about getting you know teachers to to lecture to us, but they could we could have a different uh, learning process where we could actually get the students to learn among themselves, challenge each other, and always know that you can actually be wrong. Even a concept that we believe is correct can actually be wrong if we think again and look at it from different angles. Okay, brilliant. And and tell me, a, a company that you admire quite a lot? Um, <laughs> oof, that's a difficult one because I think all the companies that I've worked for, I admire. <laughs> um, not sure. I can I can okay. pick one actually. <laughs> and what do you think the best thing is about working in, in internal audit? It's the variety of work. Uh, I don't think there are many professions where you're actually, you know, in one minute you know, you're speaking to someone in compliance, the next minute you're speaking to the head of finance, the next minute you're speaking to an investment team, you know, portfolio manager. In the next meeting, yes, you know, speaking to the chief executive, uh, it's so varied and and diverse, and you know, you learn so much yeah. all the time. And if you wasn't in internal audit, then what job would you do? Um, I'll probably be um, a lawyer because <laughs> 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 it's something that I wanted to do as a child, and I'm curious that. It, what if I'd done law? What would I be today? <laughs> well, you can always go back and retrain, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Pleasure to speak to you, Hazel. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks.